This podcast was recorded at Hartford Street Zen Center, East Sanji, in San Francisco. Please help support our temple by making a donation at hszc.org. Today, we thought we'd have a little uh, <coughs> celebration of uh, Buddha's birthday. Uh, in honor of which, we're uh, mostly not doing very much. Ironically, in order for um, some people not to do very much, there's sometimes there's a lot of uh, activity around them in support. So you should always uh, bear that in mind and uh, remember to be uh, thankful. Because uh, creating a space where uh, some of us um, aren't doing much requires something from a variety of beings, if not in fact all beings. So uh, gratitude should be part of our our uh, observance today. commemoration, we are uh, once again uh, embodying, entering into and embodying the Buddhist mythos, the Buddhist uh, universe. created quite a number of mythos or mythoi. At the boundary of um, what we think of as our tangible, our, our identifiable life and our life that is not tangible, or identifiable, or graspable in any way. The Buddhist mythos is, um, as you know, you could say is non-theistic. Whereas, for instance, the that arose in the Middle East, they tend to be theistic. And for that reason, some people think that there is uh, some incompatibility. And uh, I, I don't think that that's true myself. Very, very 
possible for a mythos to lose its its mythic roots in our our deep life. And then it turns into uh, you know a kind of edifice. People start relating to it as like a kind of building, which is was never the intention. So um, that's happened with uh, Buddhism too, to some degree. To avoid that, we need to. Uh, I think we need to make sure that our sense of the the real depth of our life is not lost sight of. Even if that's one of those things that we say, "Well, you know, I can't really feel that." If you could feel it. It wouldn't be the real depth of your life. But to know it's there is important. Yeah. One of the ways that that knowing is supported is uh, by uh, being still and not really doing anything. I heard uh, some people say that um, that uh, the real uh, Buddhism is um, well, uh, what what some people think is the oldest uh, version. And that uh, as the Buddhist mythos has changed and developed, uh, drawing its life from that deep place, it's, uh, you know, it's uh, kind of moved away from what uh, Buddha had in mind. And again, I, I, uh, I don't think that's true. I was uh, thinking recently that um, uh, what has changed is that um, uh, inspired by our, our deep life and in interaction with this complicated, always changing world, Buddhists, like, like others, they've, uh, 
description of reality has, has changed. So, for instance, uh, if we look back as far as we can, and as you know by now, that's not all that far. Not, not much further than maybe the fourth century of the common era. So that's a long way from Buddha's time. But anyway, if we look back there, we see uh, Buddhists saying, reality is dukkha. Reality is unease or imbalance. And that was, that was pretty uh, penetrating and cogent message, which is still uh, valid today. But then after some, I don't know, centuries went by, some Buddhists started saying something different, a little bit different. And they started saying, wait, no, reality is empty. What they really they meant was reality is, yeah, reality is dukkha, but reality is empty. And then some more time went by and the Buddhists were practicing their way and some of them started saying, wait, no, reality is mind. So first, reality is dukkha. And then, wait, no, reality is shunyata. And then, after a while, no, reality is vijnana. turns and then it was no reality is ananda reality is bliss these are all utterances of um, Buddha's message the sound of which continues to roll forth Maybe in a while, uh, some people will come up with another version. Well, actually, the uh, Zenists kind of did. Uh, respecting that reality is dukkha, shunyata, vijnana, ananda. Zenists came along and said, no, reality is this! Which is also true. So the Buddha way today contains these powerful dynamics. All of them still alive. And uh, each of them a facet of the jewel that is Buddha Dharma.
which one is um, the most, I don't know, that draws you the most or, or inspires you the most, maybe largely a matter of karma. was in um, boarding school, they, uh, no, maybe it was, a, I can't remember, he was a missionary priest, came and spoke to the student body and said, uh, he used to wonder when uh, Catholics would join an order of one sort or another, which one would they join? And, he said, look to him like, well, people tended to join the ones that they were familiar with. So when I was in my kind of horrible parochial school, the, uh, the girls were drawn to the Sisters of Mercy, who were, at the time, I kind of misnamed, but never mind. Um, and in uh, my boarding school, I noticed that the boys who were moving in that direction, they were moving towards the Benedictines who were running the school. And there were quite a few orders around and uh, people seem to be drawn to the ones they're familiar with. And when I was in uh, boarding school, I started sitting Zazen and I went to Los Altos Haiku Zendo. That and Mary Kay and, and some others had established in Los Altos and had invited Suzuki Roshi to come and talk. And uh, so that was, those were the first Buddhists I was exposed to and, and that connection uh, stayed alive pretty much ever since. I did uh, had a, a brief kind of uh, a little, little journey into Vajrayana Buddhism when uh, the late Kalarinpoche, meaning the last one, not the current one, was uh, traveling around the world and uh, meeting with people. I had a, a good friend in a university who was a close student of his and so he, he would invite me to go and, and uh, hear Kaurav Pache speak when he was here and so uh, that became a connection and so I actually took refuge with Kaurav Pache and got a Buddhist name and uh, attended a couple of two or three uh, empowerments and um, also the, uh, the Bodhisattva ceremony, which is a little different for, for them, uh, was actually a uh, ceremonial entry into the Bodhisattva vow. And um, so I attended that, that ceremony in San Francisco here and uh, Part of that ceremony, as you may know, is a, a, a uh, so-called tantric feast 
where the, the five forbidden substances are served. And, uh, I only remember two of them. One was um, some gumdrops, which I rather enjoyed. So they passed gumdrops all around. There was like, must have been 50 people there, maybe more. And then someone came around with a big ewer of some kind, and people were putting out their hands, and some liquid, and they were drinking it. So I did, and went, and went <coughs> since it was like, I don't know what it was, some very potent alcohol, which is one of the five forbidden elements. And uh, as far as I know, there was no sex. That's one of them, too. And there was no meat. And then one of them, no one seems to know what it is. The Sanskrit word means parched kidney bean, which doesn't make any sense to anybody. <laughs> anyway, so that was a, that was a vital powerful and important connection that in its way is still alive. And so all of us are, uh, have received and have taken into our care this remarkable mythos with its periodic proclamations of reality Shunyata, Vijnana, Ananda, and this. All of them vibrantly alive and important. All of them disclosing something about things as they are. celebrate the baby Buddha's birth, we are celebrating our receiving of this remarkable gift. And uh, depending on how you tell the story, uh, this little guy here, when he arrived on earth, Supposedly, he uh, popped out of his mom walking. Must have been startling. And, uh, and he says, you know, those famous words above the heavens and below the earth. I am the honored one. easy to misinterpret that. If um, maybe some people who aren't yet familiar with the Buddhist mythos might think he was talking about himself. Instead of talking about everyone.
guess that's what I wanted to say today. thought we'd um, have our uh, ceremony at, uh, at the noon hour, and then um, hopefully everyone brought a little lunch, and then uh, after lunch we can hang out together some more. And that'll be that. Um, uh, there was uh, there was uh, some demand for uh, a day like this, and, and that's okay. But as you see, the interest was somewhat limited. So, especially as I become more decrepit, I'm more interested in what people are enthusiastic about. So, there's other things people are enthusiastic about that we're not doing. I'd be happy to hear about that, too. Square dancing. I was just going to say, not square dancing, I was going to say the whirling dance of the dervishes. <laughs> that could be a real trip. Not on this floor. No, I guess not. <laughs> yeah, so keep those cards and letters coming, folks, as they say. Let's see what happens. Any questions this morning? I was thinking as you were saying the different proclamations that they kind of lined up with the Four Noble Truths. Mm -hmm. Would you see that connection or speak to that? Yeah, uh, that would be an exercise we could do, in considering this, sure. Uh, I guess the most obvious association is, you know, Shravakayana, Perfect Wisdom, Yogacara, Vajrayana, Zen as in, in each in its particular way an expression of the Four Noble Truths which mm. remain alive in all of them. I don't, we certainly, or I have not, outrun reality as Dukkha. No. Not yet anyway. These other elements are likewise present. Yes. Um, when you say 
reality. Oh, what? Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. You're next. As a child, I was asking, what does it mean that Jesus was quoted as saying, no one shall enter the kingdom of heaven except through me. And I now, for many years, have had a new interpretation of that because of Buddhism and other schools that I've been exposed to. And um, what you just said about the baby Buddha's words uh, fit with that perfectly. Uh, he wasn't speaking about himself. He was speaking about everyone for the I, for this idea of self, for the turning, that turning. Yeah. Uh, and it's so beautiful to me that this is in this is in everything of uh, every religion that I've that I've looked into on the mystical or deeper layer. But I feel sad often about the division on the on the surfaces and the fundamentalism. Yeah. Um, and the tendency to triumphalism, particularly in the Abrahamic faiths, is pretty strong. Fortunately, people haven't always resisted that. Mm -hmm. uh, the quote I remember is Jesus said, no one comes to the Father but through me, yes. which I think is a profoundly mystical utterance. Yes. Nothing triumphalist about it. Yeah. Uh, both of those quotes are correct. Mm. Um, entering the kingdom of heaven and coming to the Father are both quoted, mm. are both correct quotes. Mm. Um, you know, if we're just sort of walking around from day to day, we think of reality as you know, catching the bus, having enchiladas for dinner, whatever. Um, and uh, so because of that, it seems that there might be a temptation to think that the reality that the Buddha is talking about is some other reality, some, something deeper, something more profound, you know, something along those lines. And then you can start talking about emptiness and mind and so on and so forth. So could you well, flesh that out just a little bit? That may, be, may have been one inspiration for the Zenists to say no. Because once you start thinking, for instance, that well, emptiness is uh, was well, uh, some other layer, and once you get through the crud, you can get to the emptiness, then you're screwed, basically. So these. Uh, what successive proclamations all have something remedial about them. And, uh, one thing that needs to be remedied is this notion that reality, as it unfolds to us, isn't really what's going on. There's cooler stuff happening somewhere if you can only get to it.
and that is not accurate. One thing I just remembered uh, after that bodhisattva initiation, that, uh, the color of the jade. That I was very young, I was like 20 or something. And I was driving back from San Francisco to, to my family home in Hillsborough. And uh, within minutes of leaving that ceremony, I started to get sick. And by the time I got to the house, I had a raging fever. And I had the worst flu I had ever had. And I thought, this is not an accident. Uh, some karmic thing had happened. Once I got well, I was very grateful. 